Hey, welcome spring. Uh, this is the Deserve Podcast. I'm Brett Sasso. Uh, celebrating, I believe we hit 50 degrees here in the Hudson And Brett is Valley hopeful for today. spring. Oh, what is it, man. February 10th? I got the Not Jeep. Quite there. I got the Jeep out today. the The old Jeep is in the parking lot, and I wanted to pull the top. I said, I just want to feel warm again. Uh, welcome, everyone. And if you're in in the West Coast and you're enjoying the heat wave, you're probably you know that's that's the problem with people is wherever you are, you want to be someplace else. So uh, I talked to a a person today from Southern California and said, Hey, how's how's your temperature? What'd she say today? It was 80, 81, yeah. 81 degrees. And I'm like, Oh my God, that sounds so nice. So nice. So it's uh it's an interesting time. We we've been constantly struggling with when to do our podcast. Now, because of our our workload right now and, and we do so much in the the space of doing Roth conversion analysis for people now that it's becoming a a pretty much a full-time endeavor around here. So many people are, are getting nervous. And I think that's going to be kind of the theme of today's podcast, because as, as I work with people on a daily basis, uh, Brian, who is our, our inside fiduciary. So it's, it's good to have different perspectives and he and I don't always have the same perspective. And that'll probably happen again in this podcast because we're coming from different generations. I'm, I'm a baby boomer. I'm jaded. I've seen this type of thing before. And Brian is young and, you know, ambitious and understands, you know, economics better than me. I just know life better than him. That's kind of comes with gray hair versus black beards. So, um, we're going to dive in today, Brian, with uh, welcome, Brian. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for, Thank you for coming down. And, and if you're seeing the video side of this, this is the uh, when we moved our offices from our, you know, penthouse suite in uh, Dutchess County, we moved back to a building that we've maintained. I've, I've had this place now for probably 18 years. It's an old family mill property. So this was my uh, great grandfather's or my great great grandfather's mill that they used to uh, actually physically grind flour with a, um, a waterfall outside. So we had a grist mill here and it's not in my family's, um, it's not in my family's ownership anymore. There's a doctor that owns the building, but I've kept an office. Matter of fact, most of the building is, uh, is ours. So uh, we're back here and now I'm in a room that will eventually look like one of those studios with all the egg crates all over the ceilings and, uh, it's going to be pretty cool. So I, I get to just sit where I do my work, and now I could also just pop up the microphone as Anthony set up here and shoot our podcast. So I'm I'm excited yeah, about the comfortableness. I love it. I yeah, love it. and it's cool because I got the computer, and things change so fast anymore. It's like, wait a minute, what's oil at? And you go, what? Ninety seven. Uh, oil is moving around as we look at the charts right now. It's uh, it's three fifty two p.m. on February eleventh, and Brent crude is is flirting with the upper numbers of $90 per barrel. And uh, I've said it not just once, probably a dozen times, that oil to me is the pin of all bubbles. That if if we have high enough oil prices, and I know we're going to talk about inflation, but oil's instant inflation. It's everyday inflation. It's the heating oil. And food too. Well, and it all starts to come. If if you look at everything, because right now the good thing that's helping us understand that the the uh, importance of our diesel network and our trucking network is what's going on in Canada, right? right? So so Canada is in dire straits right now because basically the eighteen wheelers have decided to just protest the lack of freedom 
that they believe they deserve. And and that's Canadians. That's the polite, nice Canadians. And that shit's going to come across the border. And when yeah. that does, we're in trouble because we are so reliant on, and I'll call it the diesel network, right? It's the trucks that <laughs> if they stop, even for a day, like when we have a big snowstorm here yeah. and you go to Hannaford's and you walk in and you go, what happened? This place is empty. It empties in one day. This, yeah. The food is wiped out in one day. Well, I think this whole COVID experience has really highlighted the risk that we're at from losing food in the food store, in the grocery store to, you know, cars not being on the, the at the car dealerships. Yeah. I mean, and that's normal now. Now you drive by the, the you know, Ford dealership, you see two trucks. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You say, wow, that's, you know. We think it's normal. So oil is still the spine to everything, in my opinion, until it's not. And at this point, when you start seeing oil flirting with the upper side of $90 a barrel, it's it's an additional problem right now for what we're facing. So we got inflation, right? Inflation just came out at 7.5, which is higher than most thought. And, uh, you know, now all the brilliant people at the Fed are saying, well, I really thought it. I just didn't want to say it. Yeah, okay, great. You right. know, that's that's the hindsight doctors, right? They can tell you what, what things were supposed to be after they happen, right? So we got inflation on the run. We got oil prices on the run. We have arguably the largest bubble in the equities that we've ever seen as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we go back and look at 2000 because I've, I've demonstrated that on the last webinar that, 2000 was one of the few times that that Schiller PE ratio that I like to follow blew through 40 right. and went up to about 45 times earnings. And uh, we, we are flirting with that. Uh, matter of fact, the SNP I use is from December 29th in which we did go past 40 times. So we've got potentially an equity bubble or we, we definitely have an equity right, bubble. Not, and not even just the price to earnings is high, but even the earnings is high because of all the money printing. These companies are earning a ton of money some, some, but so what I'm saying is even a 40 price to earnings is actually a lot higher because earnings are, are inflated as well. And, which and is a denominator. part of what I was looking for, and I asked you earlier today, I said, how many companies, publicly traded companies actually make a profit? Like how many are really out there making a profit? And it's very hard to find. Like I had to do different word connections to get to what I was looking for. And from 2018 right through to about now, the number still is around 40% of publicly traded companies do not make a profit. Right. So if they're not making a profit, that means they're using their... And by the way, did you know Amazon only started showing a profit? Amazon came out, I think, in 1994, 95 or something like that. And it didn't show a profit until about two years ago. And it's because the 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 insertion into create something entirely new the way Amazon did forced it to basically lose money. So when companies lose money, and this is brilliant. If, if you could just say, Hey, you know, sell some of the stock of our company, I need a million bucks. Well, what's the difference between corporations and the United States of America? It's, it's printing operational dollars. So if our stock market has 40% of the companies are not making money, obviously the big companies, Apple and, Microsoft and, you know, these companies are just ripping it because, you know, they're also measuring it from a year ago. So, you know, Disney's up. Oh yeah. Disney was dead a year ago. Now it's up. All right. Great. But that's got to be impacted by, by inflation. But let's talk about interest rates, right? Let's hit some of these things. 
because, you know, when you have conversations, and I have a lot of them now, what shocks me is how some of the people that we're talking to with literally millions of dollars have absolutely no connection with the downside of things. Yeah. They're, yep. they're not putting the same puzzle together. And my, my new favorite thing, again, is telling people, asking that question, what's the most important piece of a jigsaw puzzle? And I always let them go. And, I, you know, they don't necessarily play into the, to the question, the riddle. And I, I'll volunteer. You know, most people say the corners. And I'm like, oh, yeah, corners are important. And some people say blue. If it's a sky, I'm going to look for the blue pieces. And my, my retort is always, no, it's the cover of the box. And they're like, wow, that's deep. That's deep. So let's talk about the cover of the box, right? We got a lot of pieces on the table here. And we got a bunch of boomers who are just watching CNBC, right? Yeah, which is is all about, you know, the market and and everybody on there's a, a bull for the most part. Jim Cramer said this is the strongest economy we've ever had. Right. The guy, as much as I, I really don't really like Jim Cramer very much, I really don't like him much anymore. Because we just went to the point where our our uh, trade deficit now is massive. Yep, huge. I How mean, the and, hell does that make a good economy? If you're, if you're, yeah, that means your economy is not productive it's, enough it's to terrible. to get enough, you know, to build enough things. You actually have to go out and buy it from somebody else, which also is a way of keeping inflation tame, right? So right. we have inflation, even though we're still bringing so everything in at a cheaper rate that's than any time. That's the story of inflation and i think one of the most important things to understand is that the definition of inflation of inflation changed um i don't remember the exact year but i know it was somewhere in the 1970s see webster's dictionary the definition of inflation used to be an expansion of the money supply and they changed that definition if you look it up now to an increase in prices well it almost has to otherwise we'd never be out of inflation for the last exactly. 30 years that's the whole point is when you go off in it when you go off the gold standard like we did in 1971 they didn't want to say, okay, now we're, we have inflation every year. Permanent. Right? So they changed it to the, a change in prices. But the old definition is the real definition. And since we went off the gold standard, or previous to that being the reason we went off the gold standard, was we were experiencing inflation. We were, we were printing money. Mm-hmm. And, and that really has now embedded itself into, into the economy. And it's been 50 years of this. So... Um, you know, that's, that's really where all the inflation starts, but it really starts with, with QE, you know, in 2008, um, huge expansions of, of the money supply. Well, t- let's talk a little bit about quantitative easing. That's QE, right? So you hear QE so many times you start to forget the actual definition of QE, but what does that really mean? You know, again, we're, our audience is the baby boomer. That's just kind of, you know, they've, they've, they've got, to the point where they are by kind of not paying attention, right? Because right? if you were really paying attention, you wouldn't be in the markets today. You would have been out. And the problem with getting out of a market, which is what a lot of them are struggling with today, is how do you get back in? Right. So the people that got out, and we know them. We've, we've talked to people that got mm-hmm. scared back in 08 that have been out. I've got a, a, a friend, client that is out in California who's been out since 2008. Yeah. I I've can't few, get back in. A few folks I know got out as soon as they recovered from COVID, like September of 2020, October of 2020, they got out and they haven't been back in. Right. So that's, that's part of the, the yeah. paralysis right now of the, ba- of the baby boomer is if I get out, right. how do I get back in? And then, you know, we had that wonderful conversation earlier today, which I really enjoyed 
Um, and, and she was kind of saying, you know, that, that FMO, what was it? FOMO. 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 Yeah. Um, I never knew what yeah. FOMO was. You know, my daughter had explained to me what FOMO <laughs> was, but she has it, right? She has that fear of missing out. Like, yeah. well, wait, wait a minute. What, what if the market goes down? I'm, you know, I'm down a hundred grand. Well, what happens if, uh, I don't, it goes, it goes back, it goes back up. I'll miss that. I'm like, wow, this is really scary. So let's talk about quantitative easing and how that plays into all of these other right. problems. So QE is is a way to basically the Fed has kind of two tools and QE really was developed after 2008. And what they did was they had, okay, we're going to use two monetary tools. We're going to lower interest rates. Now the Fed can't control interest rates. They can just guide interest rates, right? So they have the Fed funds rate, which guides the, the short end of the curve. Right, so but it does short create, term it, debt. it does control the vol the the available of of easy money from the Fed to the banks to the banks, which then in turn lowers mortgage rates and car loans and if they want to corporate and all that stuff, right? Yeah, if in fact the credit and, cards and the banks want to, yeah, and they generally do, especially on the short end, right? So that so by lowering the Fed funds rate, they can lower the short end of the curve, and then what they do is they with QE is they buy financial assets, they go out and buy bonds. Mortgage-backed securities. Mortgage-backed securities. So primarily treasuries Which and they had to do after, the, after 2008. Right. And the Fed had to come in and be the Ponzi buyer. And as long as there's somebody who's there to buy, which in this case is the Fed, then yeah. rates will stay down. Because there's, you know, if there was no one to buy, they'd have to raise interest rates. And right. that would be a problem. So the Fed basically came in, injected the liquidity, and bought the assets. Now the Fed, the Federal Reserve, the only way they can buy assets is by printing money. So that's how the Fed buys assets. They yeah, they're not money. actually a business. Right, yeah. <laughs> they don't collect tax revenue. By they, the way, market closed. Uh, it's 403. Dow down 503. Uh, S&P down 85. Uh, nearly a 2% drop on the S&P. NASDAQ yep. down 394.49. 2.78. There's a little bit of a, a spread of trend here. It used to be kind of these markets really were in step. You could just look at the percentages. They would all be very right. close. But you're talking about almost 3% down in a NASDAQ, but you're only down, you're less than, you know, 1.5 down in a Dow. So oh, that's that's the rotation that's, from growth to value. Correct. We'll, we'll talk, I think we should, we, we should work this story from 2008, really, up until now. Yep. So basically what happened is, again, the Fed has in, injected all this liquidity and kept interest rates low. And corporations have taken advantage of it. They've borrowed money at very low rates. They buy their stock back, uh, which has increased prices. Um, and it, and just a lot of good earnings due to due to their ability to expand and get into new projects and borrow new money. And um, it's created this bubble in the stock market where you have this speculative environment where you buy speculation and there's some euphoria and everybody's got access to money. And that's really what has created this this drive in the market. You know, and I don't know this answer. I hope you do. When when these QE efforts are undertaken, is that showing up on the national debt? It's not, right? That's going on the balance sheet of the Federal of the Reserve. Fed. Well, but it's it's I a mean, cost it, that has to be borne by the United States. Well, that nine—it's about nine trillion, I think, right now on the on the quote unquote ledger, the books. So it's likely that, you know, in 2008, for instance, you know, the Fed and the, the Treasury Department, they do act, well, they're supposed to act independently. They kind of work together now. But in essence, the Treasury would have issued that debt anyway, and somebody would have bought it. But if the Fed wasn't there to buy it, they would have had to pay higher interest rates because nobody wanted that debt. As long as the Fed's there buying, but the problem, Brian, it keeps is interest rates down. They couldn't 
they couldn't add to the national debt. If the Fed wasn't buying because the no, cost would be just prohibitive. That. Congress had to vote and approve the, the uh, lifting of the debt ceiling. So right. that obviously wasn't tied to the Fed policy because the Fed never even slowed down on its, on its buying. So I, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm going to have to research it, that there's actually a, a, a separate, quote-unquote, debt, if you will, that's on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve that is not part of the national debt at this point. That this well, money no, it's, was it's printed and national... injected, but it's not, I don't think it's a debt. I'm going to look it up because well, I'm again, not sure. It, if they bought treasuries, that, that's part of the debt. But the Fed buying mortgage-backed securities, for instance, is not. But the Federal Reserve is a separate, independent entity to the federal, to the federal government. It's definitely a complicated question. Well, the question's easy. <laughs> the The answer's complicated. The question's really easy. Like, how are you morons buying all this stuff, and who's, whose money are you using? Well, they're printing money, which to me should be, it's not a debt. It's it's a devaluation of the dollar, basically. Well, a dollar a It's dollar like selling bill, more stock. A dollar bill is a Federal Reserve note. Mm-hmm. So it's a liability against the sovereign, of the sovereign strength of the United States of America. Used to be whatever was laying in those coffers of Fort Knox, right? That's what your reference earlier to the gold standard. But now, so that's, I guess my, my challenge in that is that when we capped out, because there was a period where we were watching the you know national debt clock slow down. Like, why is it slowed down? Well, it had to, because if Congress didn't approve the debt to go higher, they couldn't put that on that. that I think it's going to be like the left side of the debt column instead of the right side of the debt column where that's part of the government, what the government owes itself, basically, which is massive. I think if you take that whole number, it's it's in the $130 well, trillion dollar number. Well, either way, as, as if you're just looking at the $30 trillion debt, which you can use $30 trillion now. The $30 trillion debt, when they add to that debt by issuing treasuries, somebody's got to buy them. It, they actually go to an auction. So they go to an auction. And the main buyer and there the is... the seller's the- in the room. With a with a buy, well, they're, they're with a separate buy organizations, but yeah, the the Fed is there buying from the Treasury. So it's so a whole bunch of people show up to the auction, and meanwhile, Uncle Sam is sitting in the first row with this big placard saying "Buy, yeah, buy, right." So that buy. keeps interest rates down because if they weren't there, then they would then there would no one was buying, right? So now they got to offer higher, higher, higher rates, high, and eventually somebody will come in and say, "Yeah, you're giving ten percent, yeah, I'll take that, I'll, I'll buy that." But that so that's really what has allowed the the government and it. In essence, what is happening is the Fed is monetizing the government's debt. The government is allowed to expand and keep borrowing money because they know they have a consistent buyer, somebody that's always going to be there at the auction, always going to buy. So, so that's, they're buying their own debt is how the, all this liquidity gets created. Yeah. It is. It's so you're basically printing money and buying, buying the debt. Um, and then the government has more money to, you know, Just spend it in its bureaucracy and, it. you know, pay salaries to people. And So there's and two things stuff. that we're hearing right now. We're hearing tightening and we're hearing interest rates. Right. So, so they're now separate. exact reverse. They are separate, right? So what has happened then? So again, that happened in 08 all the way up until 2018. Then they started to raise interest rates yep. and roll off the balance sheet, which is actually kind of a little, it's not tightening, but it's just less loose. And then in 2018, as they were raising interest rates, the market crashed at the end of 2018. And so the Fed turned around and said, we're sorry, you know, with 
Trump giving a little uh, nudge to, to Jerome Powell. And that's what they call the, the Powell put. So when the markets crash, you know that Jerome Powell is going to be there to backstop. That was, that was the end of 18. That was the end of 18. Q4, 18. Going into January of 2019. Rates. They had done like eight interest rate hikes, quarter points each. They went from like one to two and a half. Right, and they broke the, they broke the camel's back. At like two and a half. And then, so the market corrected 15, 20%. But, but they weren't fighting inflation. They were just trying to they do were the, preemptively, right, the right thing. Yeah, preemptively fighting inflation. Right. Which is what they're supposed to do. So, you know. I mean, it, the whole QE program was supposed to be temporary. You know, Ben Bernanke, when he was talking about the QE program in 08, he said this is temporary. It's a temporary measure. We will be easily able to raise interest rates, was his e- quote. Easily. And in 18, they tried that. And it did a little bit in 15. Then in 2018, they did it and they broke the market. So today they're kind of doing the same dance, except now, now we're at it's zero. not because it's voluntary to get ahead of something. Now it's reactionary now, yeah. to try to stop. So between something. 2018 and now we had COVID. So we had lowered interest rates a little bit, but then COVID happened and they put interest rates to zero. So now you and launched QE again. Yep. Right. Started buying. More aggressively. More aggressively. Raise the double the balance sheet on right. the Fed side from four trillion to eight or nine trillion. I think we're close to nine trillion. So now the Fed is sitting here with nine trillion dollars on their balance sheet. Again, that's nine trillion that just dollars that they printed and bought assets, right? And they weren't just buying uh, treasuries and mortgage backed securities this time. They were buying bonds. They bought a ton of Apple's bonds. So so that's how I think it gets added to the debt because someone's got to get paid on the other side of that trade, right? Somebody's got to be paying for these assets that the Fed buys, right? Well, they're or, printing money. They're printing money that's supply. That's what I mean. Holy crap. So it's a liability of the Fed, right? But it's it's not debt. It's just they're expanding the money supply is all they're doing. Man, in China, they tried this with this little bug. You know, they said, hey, let's just keep experimenting with this little bug. And <laughs> bang, they, they right. knocked the whole world off its axis. Meanwhile, the United States financially has been playing with the little bug for years. Yeah, I mean... It's like a bunch of mad scientists trying to... No one's ever been in this position. Now, granted, if we were any other country that didn't have consistent demand for dollars... Shut down. We would have been done a long Venezuela. time ago, right? I mean, yeah, we would have been in hyperinflation. I mean, that's why everybody in America lives well beyond their means. you know. And also, to your point before, as far as outsourcing inflation, that's another thing that's held inflation down. So even throughout all this QE program, right... Some of the things that have held the cost down, right? Because anytime you have more dollars, for instance, if there was, if, you know, if we had a hundred dollars in, in this little mini version of an economy, we had a hundred dollars and three and two goods, then each good is worth $50. Yeah. But if there's $200 and two goods, each good is worth a hundred dollars, right? So the more money you have with the same amount of goods, the cost goes up. So that's what happened in America. We have all this money printing. You have more money. Everything needs to go up in price, right? Labor costs, everything. But unless you, unless can, go, you, you can go get the pr- products made in China. Right, go get the TV from China. From a bunch of people that, are, that don't consume the goods themselves, that live well below their, uh, uh, you know, in poverty, basically. And they're willing to sacrifice their consumption to give us the goods so that we can live high on the hog. That's what's happened over the last 10, 20, 30 years. And it's hidden the inflation. So, and now when you talk about supply chain issues, that's not causing inflation. That's just giving you a window to the inflation that was already there, right? right. Why does it cost so much for this 
you know, thing. Uh, oh, because we can't get it from China. I got to tell you, I'm, I didn't think that I would notice it because I'm not a, I'm not a big spender. I got to tell you, I'm noticing it. I see it now, you know, I drive a, a electric car. So, you know, gas isn't usually an issue, except I had, I, I drive a Chevy Volt, as you know, and uh, with the license plate, Bad Sam for Ben Uncle Sam. And I had to put my eight gallons of gas in. I actually only had to put six in. I was like, holy mackerel, I've never spent this much money. Well, you're but just I only lucky. buy six gallons just of lucky. gas every you don't, three months. Well, you don't do all the grocery shopping, you know, your wife does. No, and you I, see I, the bills maybe. No, but. I do see the, the <laughs> money going out, and I don't see the things in the refrigerator, in the refrigerator that absolutely. used to be there. So, You go to the grocery store, spend $250 like it's nothing. <sighs> but So anyway, we, we've had this inflation, you know, and it's been here. And, and so anyway, now back to just where we are right now. We now at this point where now the inflation's showing, right? Mm-hmm. And inflation acts with a lag for a few reasons. You know, one, from the Fed printing the money and buying the, the government, you know, note or buying the mortgage. Yeah. Which, you know, by the way, if 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 you lower interest rates, then housing prices go up because people buy payments. They don't buy value. So there's a big lag between when they print that dollar. By the time it goes into the banking, you know, the financial sector, goes into the companies and the stocks, and then somebody sells the stocks and eventually buys the food. And it takes years to get into a price increase. So the inflation we're seeing now is a result of the stuff from 08. Yeah, it's not all the ships that were stuck off the coast of California. This isn't Biden's fault. No. This, This is Trump and Obama's fault. Well, you can keep going back further. You go back further, but but you can go all the way back to to Reaganomics, right? Which ultimately was go back the, to going off the gold standard. Right. Every bit we've done of expanding it's the money all supply built into this is building this in. Now, the inflation that we're printing right now, when we're adding three trillion dollars to the debt every year, that's going to happen fifteen years from now, right? So, so the idea that there was ever this transitory was hope. That oh was, yeah, that was well, that was, was hope that maybe what we can inject will bury that deeper, right? We'll, can we we'll, bury it? Can we outsource it? Can we do something it's almost else to like hide the, this the, thing? The jig is up. And right. now that the jig is up and... Now we're seeing it. Then you have consumer expectations of inflation, right? And and company expectations. If you're a CEO of a company and you're seeing it at the supermarket, you're saying, wow, maybe we should raise our prices because everybody else is. And then you have this snowball of sentiment actually causing higher inflation. So we're I saw, now... I saw a... Um, a restaurant featured. I was watching um, Laura Ingram's show last night, 10 o'clock or whatever it comes on. And she was interviewing a, I, I don't know if the lady was a restaurant tour or, or a bakery or something like that down in New York City. And I got to tell you, I, I saw a person who probably has never been in her position, even after going through COVID, talking about how she can't get employees, how yep. she just raised, she, she raised her, prices of her 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 uh, products her her baked goods let's just call it for now a dollar and she thought that was going to do it and it did nothing she goes i raised the dollar and it didn't do anything and and i was watching the the, the real devastation in her expression and her eyes and it was probably one of the most impactful interviews that i've seen so far on this topic because it was pure it was honest it was she was hurt like mm-hmm. my country has let me down. I work really hard and my country's let me down. And so, so for people who think this is just going to go away next month or when the sun starts to shine again here and we, we warm up, it's potentially just 
really beginning. Oh, yeah. If that tail is so long and it's not stopping yet, they're still doing the practice today. And to your point, we're feeling the effects of things that were done years ago. And what makes it stop? Doesn't. It doesn't stop. No. So, so you're you're of the point, or you're of the, the the position that we are in such big trouble that there's very few things this country can do to to stop. And by the way, I, I share, I believe that this as much as I don't really want to, and and my non, you know, I'm not an economist, but I'm listening, and I I do nothing anymore except pod. I listen to podcasts. I listen to different viewpoints of topics to be more wide in my thinking. But there's nothing out there that's saying that this is okay anymore. There's nothing no. out there. There's nobody speaking that this is all good and it's going to go away. So what happens, let's talk about our baby boomers, right? Because I got to tell you, I don't know if there's too many people out there that get the immersion that we get into different people and what their advisors are telling them. Right. You know, that, that conversation today. My advisor called me and said, are you okay losing 20% of your money? <laughs> yeah. uh, that was a, a very interesting conversation. I had never heard that. And again, to your point, I speak with thousands of clients. A lot of them have advisors. Advisors are scared to I've death I've never right heard now. of an advisor actually calling the client saying, are you okay if we lose 20%? Are you going to freak out? <laughs> but think about it. The, what... Uh, an advisor who has spent the last 12 years. I got to give her credit, though. At least she said it. She's honest. <laughs> Very honest. And and I think it's actually. She must be at the end of her career. I think it's a tactic that was actually introduced by the powers above, right, in these companies right. saying, listen, we don't know what to do right now. But what you should do is just go out and tell your clients you can lose 20, 30% of your money. Yeah, see and what happens. You're going to be okay with that? Can you record that, too? Holy cow. It's unreal Get them what's to going sign on. That. And, and her reaction was, well, I'm okay losing 20s as long as, long as I get it, it back. back. And I was like, oh, dear, I've got to show her my slides. And it's, it's so hard for boomers to understand that this doesn't have to get better like COVID cured. The market's cured in five months from COVID. A world shutdown. If you're going to argue that, that we're so strong, we, could, we can handle anything, COVID was that rationale. It broke the world. It shut the world down. But what we don't understand is it just helped to start exposing all of these problems that have been manifesting that were actually on their way here in 2018. They were on their right. way. And yes, President Trump and his his team, which is very smart, by the way, he he definitely surrounded himself with people who knew how to how to control and get the wanted outcome. Biden has no clue. Right. Biden has no clue whatsoever. He was on Lester Holt last night, and I actually sat there and and could not believe that the leader of our country was rejecting the report by his own military regarding Afghanistan. Rejecting it outright. Lester Holt goes, are you rejecting that? He says, I reject it. And meanwhile, the Pentagon is like throwing papers off their desks saying, what the hell is he doing? It's so bad right now. It's it's really that scary. So baby boomers, come on. So think about what's going on here. So I think let, let's talk about, because we did take it from going off the gold standard, the definition there's, of inflation. There's too many things to cover. To now. Now you're here, right? And we have 0% interest post-COVID. We've been at zero. 
Yep. So you can't go any lower. Can't I guess go, you, well, you, you, you can. You could pay people to right. put their money in the banks. Might happen. Right. It's well, happened. No, make them pay you. It's happened um, already in, the, in yeah. this world. So you have zero interest. You have inflation that's 7.5%, but you can check it out on Shadow Stats. Is it shadowstats.com? Yeah. There's a website the by a gentleman. I forget his name. Williams, I think was his last name. Shadow um, government John Williams. stats. Yeah. John Williams, shadow government stats, statistics. And, I'm sorry. But this, this gentleman has been tracking the CPI using the 1990 CPI calculation and the 1980 CPI calculation. So there's more than one CPI. Yeah. They change the CPI all the time. And they're working on a new one. Yep. Well, they're trying to do it to keep inflation numbers down. So, so, so the, the old saying that statistics lie and liars use statistics is in full force. Oh, here. 100%. But anyway, what they're saying, if you use the same 1980 calculation, we have 15% inflation. Holy crap. Which is the highest, I think, ever. I don't think we've ever had inflation this high. No, we bounced off it in pre-1982. It looks like it just went up and touched the 15, but we blew through it um, in 2022. So so in other words, not, not only has this been happening, but they're manipulating the numbers to not make it happen. Right. Anything to hide it. Holy crap. Because if you hide the CPI, then you can keep printing money. It, and so anyway, so now we're at this point. But now they're also going to do it to cut the, because you know what happened this year? And this is kind of fun if you think of these parodies of the United States and how we do things. Somebody came out and said, okay, inflation was, let's call it six. And the Social Security office caught the memo and said, okay, our cola is six. And then... When that got announced, I imagine that a whole bunch of, remember, little you don't remember, but the Little Rascals, there was a guy in a music room with the ceiling like I have here, and every time they would hit this thing, his head would blow up, and his hat would blow off, and his hair would be there. I think that's what happened. Baby boomers know exactly what I'm talking about on Little Rascals. I think that's what happened over at the, at the, uh, the statistical lying center. Right. They said, did they just give everybody a 6% raise this year? Are they out of the money? Change that CPI. Right. That number needs to be two or three. And now they're going to do it. They're actually going to change CPI. There won't be a 6% raise next year. It won't happen. Well, they will. Yeah, they'll do anything to bring this CPI they're down. They're going to create a new number. Right. And it's going to be lower. It's going to be three and a half. Right. And they're going to say, okay, Social Security is going to go up three. They will never, I don't believe, I don't think they'll ever do another near it's almost six right it's 5.9 they can't do that anymore this fund will be insolvent in three years not even three oh no it's 2028 now but they haven't put in this cola yet i'm betting they're going to say 2025 it's going to go insolvent it's the next step they keep bringing it down it was 2034 for years then it was 2028 next stop 2025 so so yeah i mean we have this 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 now situation where the Federal Reserve has to raise interest rates in a as fast as they can. Or we go to double digit inflation. Or you go to double digit inflation now. And that breaks everything. And oil goes to $150 right. a barrel because obviously oil inflates with inflation. And that and means the diesel costs more money, which means the trucks have to spend more money. And these companies, oh, it's can, this, this stock market cannot handle higher interest rates at all. It was shown in 2018. And we're more levered up now. But that was a voluntary we effort to get ahead. Today, it's not. But Yeah. So so they're... And not only are they going to raise interest they're rates... They're literally playing with financial dynamite. They're going right to start now. dumping... By the way, in, in 2018, they were putting 50 
billion dollars a month off the Fed's balance sheet back into the market. Which so they're actually now that's QT tightening. So you end up you just dump financial assets back into the market. Which if there's excess financial assets, then interest rates have to go up. So to that create the buyers. To create the buyers. So that'll raise the long end of the curve. The Fed funds rate will raise the short end of the curve. They're talking about a hundred billion dollars a month coming off the balance sheet now. There won't be any buyers. None at all. Why why would you buy a bond that's paying three percent? No. You know, why'd you buy a thirty year bond paying three percent when inflation's seven and a half? Right, you might lose as well four just, and a half? Yeah. So oh, so you're gonna see bond rates going up double, triple. So wait a minute. So all the clients that are in that sixty forty blend are gonna lose six, seven percent on their bonds this year if if that goes up, maybe even more. I mean, you don't know. I mean you don't know what, what rates are gonna go to. But and they could have different ways of owning these bonds too. Like people, most uh, people just own them in ETFs, and they'll lose every bit of that price risk. Incredible. So the safety is On now bonds. also in trouble. Yep. And the stock prices are going to get slammed, like they did in 2018. We raised rates, you know, by one or two percent. That's going to do nothing to tame this inflation. All right. I, I want to do because we're going long, and I usually try to keep these podcasts short. Um, although I I look for longer podcasts now. For my my walk is about an hour and twenty five minutes, and I <clears throat> so I've been finding longer podcasts to listen to. But um, Schiff is always good for that. I can yeah. always get an hour. No, and you can always do Joe guy. Rogan. That guy can talk. He had three hours. Yeah. So we're not going to do that and here. Everybody should but support I, Joe Rogan. But by I the think way. Aunt, what we need to do. I think we have to put something on that comes close to the webinar, maybe even something that we release the day of the webinar next week, which next, wait a minute. Yeah. Next Wednesday. So next Wednesday we have our next live webinar and uh, it's a, it's going to be a redo because of we, we have a lot of baby boomers and they open their emails a week after the, the invite for the webinar. So that's a problem. So we're going to do a redo and we're going to invite all the people that open their emails a week after we sent them and do a redo, but we're not just going to play what we did. I'm going to do it again. But I think we need to do something on this alternative to bonds, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, people shopping for things that are better. And that's scary because when you don't know what you're shopping for, you may buy something that you shouldn't have bought. And I think we're going to have to get ahead of that for our listeners and you know, let's let's start talking a little bit. Let's let's do it right after the webinar. Let's move our podcast up to uh, maybe Thursday morning next week, and try to get it out. I mean, we're getting a really good following now, which I, I didn't think would actually happen, but I, I love the fact that it is. Spoke to a gentleman in uh, Arkansas the other day, and you just don't know that people are listening. Sometimes you just feel like you're talking into the can here, but um, good stuff. I don't think we accomplished anything. <laughs> um, except to demonstrate that there are a lot of things to worry about right now. Yeah. This this isn't just something that's passing. This is the no. difference between a baby boomer having a retirement that they longed for and potentially watching all that just go and, and living on that fixed income because they'll be afraid to spend the dollars they have left. That's what happens. The market goes away. And they ride to the bottom, which I have demonstrated time and time again. In 2000, I will prove why every single person will go to the bottom. Went to the bottom, then we'll go to the bottom again. And it's fascinating with some of the charts that we build ourselves that are just not out there. So uh, I hope everyone is is kind of 
I don't want you to think we're crazy, but this is crazy. We're it's hard not to sound crazy when you're talking about crazy. Right. This is insanity. You, you can't what's even going on. quantify the numbers and the multiple of of debt that we're in now versus versus 2018 versus 2008 versus 1970. When we had inflation in 1970, the debt was tiny, tiny, tiny. I don't know what it was. Maybe. Well, let's put it this way: we could have paid it all off with one round, the first round of COVID stimulus. Right. We could have we could have paid the entire, entire debt debt off with just one little first tiny yeah six hundred billion dollar infusion we into are in the a, COVID crisis. We are in a different situation. It's it's unprecedented. Well, I'll and tell you the the title of my book is starting to sound better and better. Immoral enrichment. I got to get to work on this thing. I've been writing some proposals, as you know, we're potentially getting picked up here for the Roth conversion work we do. It's that important um, that there are some large companies that are looking to expand what we do, get our reach out there further. And we're excited about that. So if you haven't yet had a Roth conversion analysis done, it's not just one part of this. It's everything we're talking about today. And it could be the difference between, as I said in the last webinar, being a witness to this crime or being a victim. We don't want to be a victim to what we're potentially looking at as a country right now. Not if you're a baby boomer. The, the blessing to this, I hate to say, is Anthony and, and that generation because how the hell are they going to grow anything right now? How in the world are they going to be able to come into things? It's like trying to buy a Bitcoin. I would love to buy one Bitcoin, <laughs> but it's like people realize that that's a Hyundai. <laughs> Bitcoin is a Hyundai. But it's so it's so all over the place, and you can make a fortune on that if you could buy multiple coins. But you'd have to, you know, you have to huck the ranch to do it. Anyhow, Brian, thanks for coming down and yeah, and, thanks for having me. Confusing the crap out of me and scaring Anthony to death over this thing. He's trembling over there on the board. But uh, thanks, Sam, for setting up the board in my room for you coming down and, and handling this tough conversation today, and everybody for listening to our chaotic way of trying to vet out the lunacy that is our future to all you baby boomers out there i wish you health i hope the sun keeps shining brighter and brighter and i'm gonna go out and jump in that jeep and get home before it gets dark and who you got for the super bowl i want burrows but i'm believing rams but hey you know I what the rams are gonna win i missed every single team in the playoff i didn't call one game right period forget about spreads I haven't picked anything right this year, so uh, go Broncos. There you go. go, bet, on, go bet on the Rams. Hey, let's hear Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Go play for Denver. <laughs> Don't tell my buddy Bernie that. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening in to uh, the Deserve Podcast. I'm Brett Sasso, Brian Nicolays, and Anthony on the boards. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. See you next time.